Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm going to get right into it. The title of my message this morning is Give to Others What Wasn't Given to You. Give to others what wasn't given to you. Um, I was, I, I don't know if all of you were here for our three by 10. It was our Awaken You three by 10 when they preached on, on a Sunday. And it was something that actually uh, our, our kids uh, director said when he was preaching, he said, the reason why I'm up in kids' church is because I grew up in a childhood that wasn't the best childhood, that wasn't the best upbringing, but I can give to these kids what wasn't given to me. And I thought that was so powerful. And uh, Pastor Leanne uh, and Pastor Jurgen, they came in uh, briefly into town, and I was telling her about that story. And she's like, isn't it so true that whatever we're called to do, whatever assignment or ministry God has called us to do, um, most likely it's when we haven't been given uh, something to us. When it wasn't given to us, but we turn to God, we receive this transformed life, this transforming healing in him, and now we get to give to others what wasn't given to us. And so, yes, give it up one more time for Kids Church, the best Kids Church ever. Brian, that was an amazing message. It's so good. I love that engineers are up here, you know? Like, that's what you said at the 8.30. She's like, I'm an engineer, but yeah, I'm up here preaching. But that's a good sign of a healthy church, that it's not just the select few that's up here. But what I love about Awaken, this comes from Pastor Jurgen Leanne, is that they're always about raising and releasing and empowering people. So, again, I'm just so grateful for where we're at. Um, so, yes, Luke 6.38. Give and you will receive. It doesn't say receive and then you shall give. It says give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So I was thinking about this, mess, this uh, scripture, Luke 6, 38, and I thought it was funny. I actually refer to this uh, scripture a lot because you're going to, you know, receive a blessing, press down, shaken together, running over. And then I paused because I was like, okay, I'm going to deliver this message. What does this actually mean? Like, I don't go walking around being like, hey, how was your day today? Oh, I'm pressed down. You know, I'm, sh I'm shaking together and I'm running over. And so I'm like, God, what do you mean by this? But I felt as I was trying to study and understand what this blessed verse means, it means that when we do receive the blessing of God, when we give and we, when we receive, it will be poured over. We will have an abundance of it, something that we had in lack and we, we give. It will be given to us, but there might be a time where it looks like we're getting shaken up. It might not look like the happy-go-lucky fairy tale life story, but we might get pressed down 
or shaken up. And then we're gonna start to run over with the blessings of God. There's uh, certain things like when Brian was talking, finances are could be hard, but you feel God calling you that I wanna be a big generous giver. Matt and I as well, we wanna be generous givers. And as we give to God, sometimes it's like, God, what the heck, where are you? I thought that you just magically appear and, and my business would just be booming. You know, what's happening right now? But through the pressing down and through the shaking, that's where the oil comes. So there's a price of the oil. Oil gets pressed. Oil, to make it, you got to get shaken up. And so for the price of the oil, that's where we're going to receive so much. So as we give, you receive. Now here's a key verse, though, to that. Because um, I'm speaking to a generation that is very entitled, right? We... We just, we like that feeling, you know, being entitled, it's kind of a good feeling, like, I deserve the world, and I'm just, I'm a princess is who I am, and, you know, this should be given to me, and I don't have to work as hard as my parents did, and, you know, I should have exactly what they have, like, right out of high school, and uh, their ceiling is my floor, (laughs) the whole thing, and so, you know, but what an entitled life is, is actually not a freeing life. You know, we talk about freedom and living a life of freedom, but when we're entitled to something, you're always caged up, you're always bitter. So to actually live in freedom requires giving. It's biblical, give and you will receive, pouring over. And so a key verse, it's like, well, but you're talking about giving, but I can't give what I can't, what I don't receive, so I'm going to still just, you know, cross my arms and be entitled, you know, with a bitter look on my face and not make friends. And so, but here's the key verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Amen. Psalms 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's why I love being in a church that is a transformational church. We come to him and we might not have it all together and we might not have the greatest upbringing. We might not have certain leaders that were able to pave the way for us or show us how to, you know, (laughs) behave in life or how to succeed in life. But when I come to the house of God and I meet Jesus face to face and I encounter him and I give my life to him and I make him Lord and I make him king of my life, That is where when I lack something, he comes in and he supplies me with all things. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. I lack no thing when the Lord is my shepherd. What you lack in the natural, God has supernatural abundance for you. Whatever you lack in the natural, God has supernatural abundance ready to give you. You lack no thing. So the amazing thing with a life in Christ that we will forever praise him for is that how did I get where I'm at today when I didn't have the examples in my world? I have the example of Jesus. I have him transforming me, his everything. And so how good is God? So we lack no thing, amen? So that's the key verse that gets us out of our entitled, bitter uh, face. So... The bitterness, it all like, you know, is in your face. You just, it's where it's at. (laughs) 
All right, I am going to get into, uh, we're going to get into the hard stuff first, but it, it's okay. It comes with stories, so you'll like it. So the first thing that's hard to get through, but here we go. Give to your spouse what wasn't given to you. Give to your spouse what wasn't given to you. Proverbs, the book of wisdom, 327, Proverbs 327. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Don't we do that in marital relationships? <laughs> do not withhold good from those to whom it is good when it isn't what it, uh, let me start over. Blah, blah, blah. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. That was hard. I got through it at the 830. I don't know what happened today. Um, <laughs> So you give, and I'm not talking about abusive relationships, you know, when you're in some, some relationship like that, and then you're coming to church, and you're like, well, the pastor said I have to give to this person who's abusing me. No, I'm actually talking about normal, healthy relationships, that there's moments in these relationships where we want our spouse to do something for us, but when they don't do it, we choose to withhold, in some form, it, it, mainly in love, we can, you know, withhold sex, we can withhold date nights, we can withhold gifts, we can withhold all these things. But it says here in Proverbs, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Your spouse is due for some good loving from you. Don't withhold it. Do not withhold. So give it to your spouse. Wow, very loud amens from Pastor Vince and Rich and John. I'm calling y'all out. Um, so, yes, I have a story, though, that I would like to pepper in. It's a story of our relationship, uh, Matt and I. And this is, I'm setting the scene. This was when uh, our firstborn was probably almost three weeks old. And um, so I am newly into motherhood. I did not know what to expect. People can tell you something, but you don't know until you know. And uh, we have our firstborn Levi, and I am completely sleep deprived. Oh my gosh, it is like the worst thing in the world to me. And I'm so angry and bitter and like this monster of an ogre like arose in me. <laughs> After Levi was born, it's like sleep deprivation, ogerness, uh, like mascara running down my cheeks constantly every day, my hair like really tasseled and, you know, all like not combed, no showers, you know, a robe. And this is TMI, but you know those like post, post uh, diapers that you got to wear? Fully wearing them. And I'm just walking around the house, just like this bitter, sleep-deprived woman, <laughs> trying to understand why my child does not sleep at night or ever. And I'm posting all these cute Instagram photos of him while I'm just dying on the inside. And so I thought common sense, like my husband would be with me every single second of you know, this newborn phase, because I can't do this alone. And so, um, but one morning, it was just out of the blue. I don't remember him saying anything like this. This is a story, by the way, too, that has two sides of the story. His side of the story is just joyful and happy. 
my side, you'll hear it. And so he wakes up very early in the morning and he had this guy group that they would get together. And Pastor Andy Pugh was a part of this guy group. I'm calling you out for a reason because you're supposed to be a pastor. You should have sent him home right away. (laughs) Where were you, Pastor Andy? (laughs) Praying for me. So early in the morning, he got together with this, you know, group of guys and they're at this coffee shop. It's like my favorite coffee shop called Lofty in San Diego. And it was around like five in the morning and they would get together and do the, like these happy guy things. Like we're gonna keep each other accountable for three things, it's the core, we're core things. It's our marriage and we're gonna uh, keep each other accountable for our, for our work. It's like our mission and ministry. Those three things, yeah! Like they're like arms together, like best of friends. And, uh, and so they, they, my husband chooses to attend this guy group that was, you know, scheduled for every other week. And uh, I wake up with a crying baby and I look around the house. I'm like, where's my husband? He's supposed to be here. So I'm bubbling up inside. It's starting to, you know, my anger. I now have a new anger problem after I have kids. So the ogre, it's like the ogre and uh, coming out. And so I call him. First of all, can't get a hold of him. 20 minutes go by. I'm calling him again. And he answers the phone with like a, "Uh, hello? Where are you? I like, where are you right now? Oh, babe, I'm with the guys. I'm at my accountability group. Like, what? I'm going to get you a coffee. It's been such a good morning. This is, you know, these guys... And, and I'm at Lofty. Hey, I'm going to get you a Lofty coffee, okay, when I get home. And I don't know if I'm, like, on the speaker at this point. I don't want the guys to go home to their wives and say, oh, Loren turned into a real, you know. And so um, I just hang up the phone, and it's kind of like, oh, reception, you know. But it was bad reception. So he's happy, having a great time in the morning. And for me, I'm at home, like this anger starts to rise up in me. And I'm like, how dare you? And it gets worse and worse and worse. I'm like, he abandons me during my time of sleep deprivation. I'm not even myself. And it just goes on and on and on. And so he comes home with a smile on his face, thinking that he's still a great husband. He comes in, and then I'm in the bedroom just looking like how I described, terrible looking. And he hands me the coffee. Here's your lofty. And I grab it, and I walk over this way. Because what's over here? It's a sink. And I opened up the cap, and I dumped out the coffee with great revenge. And I said, I will not drink this blessing. (laughs) And in my immaturity and in my ogerness, I like, you know, I should have kept the coffee. Like, you know, if I was listening to this message, I would have remembered, oh, I should be giving kindness even though kindness wasn't given to me, you know? I should have kept my coffee and enjoyed the blessing of the coffee, but instead I got so angry and bitter that I just lashed it out and now there's coffee spill all over the mirrors and everything. And then, you know, he's like, oh, wait, what just happened? 
oh, my wife is mad. I didn't realize. So now he's like changing his posture into like fight mode, you know? And then he's, he like starts to do this. He starts taunting me because he knows that I'm mad. He laughed when I poured it out. How dare you laugh when I pour out the coffee to spite you? He laughs. And then I just start getting angrier and I start clenching my fist. And then he sticks out his chin like this and he says, hit me. He said to hit him. So I did. So I started going after him. And I started beating and punching him as hard as I could until my knuckles started to bleed because I hit one of his buttons on his shirt. And it started to bleed. And he was kind of laughing and holding me at the same time as I'm trying to, like, punch him. Oh, my gosh. So in the end... I continue to go to church, and I now have a transformed life. I don't think I've punched you since then, or that hard at least. (laughs) So transformed life. Wow. So, yes, it hurt myself. But give kindness when you don't feel like your husband has been kind to you to still give. Give him the benefit of the doubt. That is some godly wisdom. Give forgiveness even when they don't forgive and do not withhold. Do not withhold. Because as you give, you will receive a blessing of coffee in your hand. Amen. Point number two is give to your kids what wasn't given to you. Give to your kids what wasn't given to you. So in my situation, in my case, I grew up in a household where um, my, I have a brother and two sisters, and they are 17 years older than me. So I was, you know, youngest but baby, and when you're the youngest and, like, baby-only child type of feel— I had the best life ever, you know, like I got to go to Italy, my siblings didn't get to go to Italy, but I did, you know, I just was living this great life with my parents that my siblings were very, you know, bitter about, but I was happy about it, and great houses, they didn't get to grow up in these houses, but I did, and I'm just loving life, but in the midst of all that stuff, I was looking back on my uh, childhood, and I realized I've never been disciplined, My parents never disciplined me. I think they're like, you know what? I tried enough with your first three. The third, you're just off on your own. You know, God bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. And uh, so, and uh, yeah, I don't ever remember. I didn't grow up with spankings. I told my parents myself, mom, dad, I shouldn't be watching The Simpsons. Like, who does that as a kid? And, uh, but I just realized my friends were getting disciplined, but I wasn't. And it kind of messed me up when I was older because it turned into a fear of man type of syndrome. So whenever somebody told me something that was, you know, like a conflict of what I thought, like it wasn't, they didn't glorify every single word that came out of my mouth, you know, they, they corrected some stuff in me, how dare they? I was like, what the heck? Like everything was so offensive then when I got into the real world. And I really feared people, like, so that's why I became a people pleaser, and so I just didn't want to hear any correction, because my parents never corrected me. And I've grown along the way, and I've now accepted it, because it's very good to have healthy feedback and all the good correction, because they see good stuff for you. But let's go to Proverbs 19.18. It says, discipline your children while there is hope. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like a good morning read while you're having coffee. <laughs> Let's open it up. Discipline your ch- children while there is hope. <laughs> Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. <laughs> Thank you, Solomon. Uh, Proverbs 29, 17 says, discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. And then finally, Proverbs 22, 6 says, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. So because I didn't receive discipline when I was growing up, I didn't know how to really raise kids at all. My siblings, because they were a lot older than I was, I didn't see them, you know, I wasn't around them as they were raising up their kids. So I don't remember any type of discipline. And if I was to be honest, when you'd hear the word discipline in America, sometimes you'd think it of more of abuse. So the word discipline, people could be like, oh, red flag, that sounds like abuse. So you can either have it as abuse or you can have it as like crickets, no discipline at all. So I had to ask myself, God, what is the healthy, what's healthy discipline? What does that look like for raising my kids? Because I am left in the dark. I have no idea what it looks like. And so it wasn't until I came to this church and Pastor Leanne spoke a message and she brilliantly was giving an example of what it looks like for healthy discipline. And I needed it during that time. And she said, when your toddlers are starting to act out, when they start throwing things across the restaurant, and when they start yelling at you, and you correct them verbally, and then they, you know, like, lash out on you back, what you do is you take their hand in a calm manner, and you bring them into the restroom, and uh, you talk to them, and you say, Levi, what you did, how you hit your brother, and then how you hit me was not acceptable. That's not an acceptable behavior. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a firm spanking because your butt is cushioned for this reason of spanking. And so I'm going to give you a firm spanking, and then you're going to change your behavior, and we're going to go back to the table. I'm not making a scene. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my gosh. And so I started to do that, but raising my kids in California was a whole nother level because if anything, so here's the story. I was home again. So this is now second baby, still sleep deprived. Nothing has changed. (laughs) And I decided, Matt was out of town and I decided I I need to take a shower because it's probably been over a month. I need to treat myself, and we were okay. We, we raised our kids for sleeping, that they can cry a while, and so I'm like, you know, Asher's just going to cry, but I just, I need to take a shower, and it's going to be okay, and we lived in this condo complex, and anyway, I take a shower. I'm feeling great about myself. <laughs> Showers make such a difference, and, I, and then all of a sudden, I get a knock on my door, And I open it, and it's CPS. It's CPS at my door. And they come because one of my neighbors were like, "Mm, this baby is crying too much. It's inconveniencing me in my quiet time. And so they called CPS. They come to my door and then start investigating why there's a crying baby and why they're crying for so long. 
And so I was mortified. So there was such, I felt like an attack on me parenting. I didn't have a knowledge of discipline or really raising kids. And now I have CPS at my door and I'm afraid to even take the advice when I'm walking around Nordstrom in San Diego. Cause if I take a kid to the bathroom, somebody will call CPS on me again. But the thing is, is healthy discipline, healthy discipline is that as we continue to model healthy discipline, it's going to change everything. Like whenever I get a compliment that my kids are good, I always question it. I'm like, really? They are? (laughs) Well, thank you. You know, I I usually pray for their salvation. So I'm glad that they're behaving well for you. So great. Amen. So there's something that's working around discipline. And there's times, yes, I will raise my voice and get in my child's face. And after the fact, I will go back to my sons and I will apologize. There's times, because I don't know, I will lose my temper. And I feel really guilty and really bad about it. But the great thing with parenting is that we can tell them I am sorry. And we can tell them there was something wrong in me. Yes, what you did was wrong, but I shouldn't have acted like that still. So, (sighs) Give to your kids what wasn't given to you. All right, third point, give to your parents what wasn't given to you. Give to your parents what wasn't given to you. We're going to hop back into Exodus, Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So it comes to honor. So maybe there's a time in your life that you feel like your parents didn't honor you, but the Bible says to still give honor to your parents. You might have not received it, but it says clearly, give honor to your parents. Give them honor. Um, I grew up with amazing parents in a, a great household, even though they didn't discipline me, but that's why I think I had a great, a great childhood. <laughs> Um, But one thing that they did do, I noticed that whenever I would make a decision and it was something for me, um, there would be like a little, and if they weren't on the side, like if it wasn't their decision or their choice, um, there'd be some conflict there. So they love my husband, Matt. I'm going to set that up. They love him. But, But what happened is that we decided to get married. And I think what was going on in my parents' mind is that this is my baby, you know? This is how dare Matt Tuggle take the baby away from our family. And so they saw him more as taking than anything. And uh, it was around our wedding time, and uh, there were some certain moments that really, really hurt me, that, that really took a jab into my heart. And, uh, for example, they said, oh, you're getting married? Well, let's make it fair game. Um, I gave your siblings $800 for your wedding. You know, it's the girl side that's supposed to pay for the whole wedding. I'll give you $800. And I'm like, but mom, the wedding dress that I see is like over a thousand, you know? And it's like during that time, like what the heck, $800. And my parents, it's not like they're the wealthiest people in the world, but they are well off. They can, they can give a little bit more than $800 for an entire wedding. And we love people. So we're inviting everyone, like, from our work, from our church, everything. So there was a whole bunch of people. But $800, I was like, oh, that was the first job. And then it comes time when it is the wedding day. And we were um, out there. I, I was doing all of my floral pieces. And I was doing all the decor. Everything was, you know, I, I planned it. And I didn't 
know at that time to really ask for help. So I was doing everything on my own, putting peacock feathers everywhere. I randomly liked peacock feathers then. And, uh, and so it was like 1 a.m. in the morning, uh, working really hard, getting my wedding you know, day all ready and prepared. So I come home into the place that we're renting to stay. And, um, and so my mom tells me, hey, um, our cousin didn't uh, have a room, of, room for her. And so we gave her uh, the room that you were supposed to sleep in. So um, you're going to have to sleep on the couch. Oh, so I'm like in the couch, you know, curled over, shedding a few tears. Thought, what the heck? This is the night before my wedding, and I have to sleep on the couch. And so that could have really caused a division inside of me and my parents. But what I decided, and again, thankfully to a house of transformation and a church, Jesus, you know that when it says to honor, do not withhold honor. And so I decided that in my heart, I'm going to choose to honor them, but I'm gonna honor them with our uh, finances. So I'm gonna give generously the most that I can. For, so for Christmas time, we made a commitment in our hearts, we are gonna give generous gift to, gifts to our parents. Um, you know, when we had a, the litter of dogs, I'm like, mom, you're going to, I gave her a dog for free. We drove it over to her. Don't pay for anything. You know, like we're choosing to honor in ways that I didn't feel honored in the past. So can we be someone, someone like that? Again, I am like that just because of this house just because of transformation, and I needed healing in that area. But when you're able to give, even though it wasn't given to you, there's healing in that, there's transformation in that, and honestly, any bitterness and any thorn gets completely plucked out. You don't, I honestly forgot that story until I'm writing this message to dig it up. And so that's what true healing looks like, is letting go, forgiving, and honoring. All right, give to your friends. What wasn't given to you? Give to your friends what wasn't given to you. Proverbs 17, 9, it says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. I see this time and time again that people in great friendships will hold these grudges, and that's what separates them. So it's forgiveness versus grudges. Can we be a people that releases forgiveness? And if you're able to forgive time and time and time and time again, you're going to be the best friend ever. You're going to have the most enriched friendships that has ever existed because of your forgiveness. Don't hold grudges. I remember when I, I it was actually... Uh, a, a close friend of mine, a close friend of Matt's that uh, was my best friend growing up. And uh, we were like inseparable. We were doing, having all this fun stuff every summer. We'd live together, the whole thing. Like we were inseparable friends. And uh, it was a time in our life when, you know, it's after high school, we're, we're dating random people that probably aren't the best dating relationships. And my friend was holding a grudge because she's like, you shouldn't be dating this person. So it was, but because you're dating this person and you're now spending time with them and not with me, I'm going to hold this grudge against you. And it separated our close, the closest friendship that I was so blessed with. And yeah, I shouldn't have been dating that guy. I should have taken that wisdom of hers. 
But the thing was, is that dwelling on something that when you actually narrow it down to what it is, it's just so meaningless. Like, who cares? I'm, I'm an immature, you know, person at that time. I probably needed a good friend in my world to get me out of that relationship. But because of grudges, you know, I didn't end up being in a part of her wedding and uh, the whole thing. And so it, it's heartbreaking what happens when you have close friends, but when you dwell on, on, on differences, when you dwell on faults, it will separate. So in a friendship, if you're able to give something that wasn't given to you, say your friend is holding a grudge, can you still forgive them? Can you still be kind? Can you still release love? Can you still text them and say, hey, can we get together for coffee? Hey, can we get together for lunch? Can I still befriend you even though you're not befriending me? And then take it from there. I feel like we dwell on things so much that we don't even take that step. And then we just say, "Mm, boundaries. This is where I need boundaries in my life. You're outside of the boundary. (laughs) You're not inside. And so let's be forgiving, let's, re- let's relieve least kindness and give something that wasn't given to us and hold on to dear friendships. Um, lastly, give to your ministry what wasn't given to you. Give to your ministry what wasn't given to you. I love this scripture, it's Proverbs 3, three through four. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people. And you will earn a good reputation. Why am I saying this for the ministry side is because I feel like a lot of us can come from deep church hurt. Deep church hurt in the past with certain leaders And I think it boils down to these two things. The reason why we would leave church, the reason why we'd be so hurt by a leader in our world is because they broke one of these two things is loyalty and kindness. You know, for me, when I came, I didn't know. I grew up uh, not really seeing a lot of examples of women in ministry. Either they were completely silenced or they were very mean and they were controlling. And I'm like, I don't want to be like either of those. God, I know that, you know, you want, I want to be used by you, God, but I don't want to be mean as I'm asking you to use me. And again, until I came to this church and saw Pastor Leanne lead so brilliantly, and I say brilliantly because she was the same person on stage as she was behind the scenes, the exact same person. She leads with with such kindness. And I would work closely with her with certain uh, jobs at the church. And I got to see her kindness. I got to see her loyalty to her husband, to her kids, and to the church. And it wasn't necessarily that, you know, I say loyalty and kindness. Sometimes we can think loyalty is all about, well, then I need to get a lot of time with this person. I got discipled by Pastor Leanne, but I got discipled from her from just watching how how she works, watching how she moves, watching how she interacts with people, watching her how she interacts with her husband and with her kids, watching how she interacts when she hosts things at her house or talking to people, ministering to people, watching her as she's preaching. I get to examine all these things and I saw that there was a consistency of loyalty, that she was loyal to wanting the people of the church grow. 
that she is committed to every single one of ours growth, constantly committed to her growth and health in, with her uh, being a, a wife and as a mom. And she never let kindness leave her. There were times where I messed up. I didn't do the best job that I could do. And uh, there were, you know, not great, you know, there were repercussions of when I didn't do things very well, but uh, her kindness never left her. You know, she wasn't beating me or, you know, like now you're out of this job because of blah, 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 you know? But she led with such grace and kindness. And I knew that as she was correcting me, which I needed, um, it came with a heart that was all because she, she, know, she cares about my growth. She cares about transformation. And so then I was like, thank you, Jesus, that I can see firsthand, even though I grew up not knowing what, where that lies, you know, with a woman in, in ministry. But when I came to see Pastor Leanne, oh my goodness, that's what I can be like. I was just talking about Cody and how um, he serves now in kids' church. And he was saying he grew up, you know, with a bad childhood, and now he can give to children what wasn't given to him. It made me think that there's such an anointing in that, that actually what we're called to do in ministry, what, often what God calls us to do, rarely do we get that from the past. Rarely have we gotten that from leaders. Rarely have we gotten that from examples with our parents or things in our past. And so what is God talking to you today? Maybe there's been some wounds in certain areas, but because of that pain, because of those wounds, because of a, a lack of, of knowing, a lack of understanding, that he wants you to come to him for it. And because we come straight to him in our lack, and we come to him and we see him face to face and we say, God, I have no idea what to do in this situation, but God, can you heal me and can you transform me? And in that healing and transformation, I want to give to others what wasn't given to me. I wanna to give to kids church. I wanna to give to these kids a, a loving, a, a, just a, a loving atmosphere, a loving environment. I wanna give them encouragement. I grew up without any encouragement. It was just silence. It wasn't really good or bad. It was just silence. But I'm gonna to give to these kids encouragement and constant showering them and, and prophesying over them and, and pouring life into them, even though I didn't get that myself. And, and so what is God calling you into a time of maybe healing and transformation, but is asking you to give to others what you didn't give to yourself. There's such healing and anointing in that. So let's all stand right now. And we're gonna pray. And then I'm gonna invite my husband up to close us out. So why don't we lift our hands up to God. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord for transformation. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your sufficiency. I thank you, Lord, that in our weakness, you are strong. I thank you, Lord, that as you are our shepherd, that we lack no thing. God, that as we look in our past and we see, man, there were lack, there was uh, more than lack, there was abuse, and there were things that shouldn't have gone a certain way, but God, we lack no thing in you. And as we turn our eyes to you, God, and we give you these pains, we give you these things, that we 
we didn't have for us provided that maybe we should have, but God, it wasn't there. God, we give them to you and we ask for you to transform us. We ask you to heal us. And God, I thank you, Lord, for every God-given assignment over every single person in this room. God, that you are unlocking assignment. You are unlocking your power. You're unlocking your anointing. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our shepherd and we lack no thing in you. We give you praise, we give you honor. God, we give you honor for where our life is at now that only you can take us to. And God, now that we can pave a new path for us, that for others that maybe we didn't get paved, but Lord, it's all in you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.